we're so excited that you are here with us and, and uh, sharing Christmas with us. Uh, we're we're uh, so pleased. You know, sometimes uh, you can be looking right at something, right? You can be looking right at something and, and totally miss it. Uh, uh, some of you know uh, that my son, uh, Trevor, is severely colorblind. And that uh, means that he, we've had some uh, misadventures in his young life. Uh, his, uh, he's had art teachers think that he was mocking them and uh, wanting to discipline him because of some of the color choices that he made in life. And he tried to explain uh, where things were at. Uh, uh, we have to help him sometimes still figure out uh, clothing choices. He'll come out and we'll say, are you sure that's what you wanted to wear? Uh, uh, and so uh, we decided for Christmas, we wanted to have this, you know, you see these moments online, right, where uh, someone hears or sees something for the first time and you have this, this tremendous moment. And so we thought, oh, for Christmas, we'll get him colorblind glasses. He will see color for the first time, and we'll all share in this brilliant moment together. So here's what happened. That's pretty, oh, that does not help much. I think Well, we tried. We tried. We each had a we each had a vibrant like balloon we were holding, and after the glasses, they all appeared apparently to be orange. So uh, sometimes you're looking right at something, but you're you're totally missing it. So other times, uh, you someone is is saying something, but you don't really hear what they're saying, do you? Uh, there is a, a, a way. Think of it this way, uh, moms. If you got in the car with your little kids afterwards, and you said, "Okay." We're headed home, and mom is making creme brulee for dessert. A lot of your little kids would, would hear that and not really get it very excited, would they? They would think, wait, I've seen you in your kale smoothies, and I know how you have tried to sneak in Brussels sprouts as a suitable side dish. Uh, but, but what if you said instead, you said, guess what? When we go home, I've got a big bowl of vanilla pudding for you. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to cover it with sugar. And then I'm going to take a torch and I'm going to light it on fire. And if they got a chance to watch you do it and smell it cooking, they might actually jump right out of their chair to kind of participate with you in this whole thing. Okay. Here you go, Sarah. It's really disgusting. I don't think you want to eat that, but it's not really creme brulee. It's smart and final pudding, and, and it's, it's <laughs> there's the thing, uh, you know, I think for, for us, uh, we, we see this, right? Sometimes uh, these things happen, and, and what happens is we, we get caught up in, in uh uh, the Christmas rush. We see things, uh, the, the rush of everything going on. We kind of miss what we're supposed to see, uh, the brilliance of God's radiance and his love and his, his beauty. We miss the amazing thing that he is doing uh, for us to draw us to himself. Now, sometimes the noise of Christmas is so loud that we miss the things that he wants to say to us. Uh, we're, we're, we're caught up in all the other things. Uh, but, but, uh, it's important that we do hear and we do see the things that God wants us to see. On that uh, night, 
uh, that we just read about, that night where the Bethlehem sky lit up, uh, it was amazing what God began to show us. There there was uh, something powerful, the way that God was interacting with us, coming near to us. And and, and the gospel writers uh, talk about it in different ways. The biblical writers talked about the the way this day would come. Uh, The prophet Isaiah talked about a darkness that was over the land, but that a light was coming to shine in the darkness. And when Jesus was born, they took him into the temple, and, and this man, Simeon, held him up and said, this, he is a light of revelation. Uh, John says this about Jesus. He says, uh, as he came into the world, he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not uh, overcome it. This theme of light has been important for us at Christmas. You have been hanging lights on trees and on your homes. Uh, Millions of people tonight uh, will be lighting the candle and singing Silent Night. Uh, And and we're taken in by the image of light that the, the, uh, the light of the world has come to us. And we celebrate that tonight. And so we we see this, and this is something that uh, the scripture writers want us to see, is that God has sent the light of the world to us. In fact, Jesus himself uh, spoke of it this way. He was uh, uh, at the end of a festival, and they were having this great festival where they would, in the temple, they would uh, bring these great candelabras. They, uh, they were over 70 feet tall, and they would have these uh, uh, giant bowls on the top of them, and they, would, they were filled with oil, and they would light them, and you would see them for miles, and people would sing, and they would dance. And, and for them, it was a, a reminder uh, of God uh, who went before them as this pillar of fire, a light. For them, light was, uh, was uh, God in action, God guiding them, God protecting them. And so it was this great celebration. And so as they're getting ready to end this festival to uh, extinguish the lights, Jesus does something that catches them off guard. He comes and he stands amidst the crowd and he cries out in a loud voice, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me, uh, we'll never have darkness. We'll never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. Uh, you will never walk in darkness, but you will have light and life. And, and, and while they were hearing his words, they weren't really catching on to what he was trying to help them understand. And in many ways, as people have looked at that moment, they realized there was a way that Jesus was drawing them back, even to the very beginning of creation. The world was dark and formless and void, And then we see God speaks, the word of God comes, and it says, we see, let there be light. Genesis 1 says it this way, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And now years later, Creation is trapped once again in darkness, and Jesus stands in the midst of this and says, I am the light of the world. Follow me, and I can lead you out of darkness and into the light of life. You don't have to remain in darkness. Come with me. Follow me. Darkness, formless, void. Some of you uh, would uh, maybe relate to the video a little bit that, uh, especially at Christmas time, uh, life feels dark right now for you. 
there's a darkness that has come, and, and I've, as I've talked to people over the, this month, what I'm finding is this, is that uh, when we're struggling with darkness, this season seems to make the darkness feel even darker. When we find ourselves in the darkness, we hear these words uh, that you don't have to stay there. Mary Magdalene is a woman that we don't know very much about uh, before she followed Jesus. We really only know this one real description. And the description is this, is that it says that uh, out of her, Jesus cast seven demons. Now, I don't know how your head tries to get around that, but if you were described this way, let's just say it, it would probably describe your life as being pretty dark, right? We can at least just agree her life was dark. But rather than run from her, Jesus runs to her. And he frees her from that darkness and he leads her into light. And, and do you remember when you were a kid and you were afraid of the dark? Uh, you, you know, darkness confuses, it distorts, and you were afraid. And what did you do? You ran into your parents' room, you got into their, their bed, you crawled into the, to, under the covers, and you fell asleep pretty quick, didn't you? And the reason was, all of a sudden, your focus went off the darkness and onto their presence. Mary was so committed to being in the presence of Jesus, the light of the world, that she followed him all the way to his death. When Jesus was arrested, all the disciples scattered. They ran. There's, but we find there's just a few people that are there at the cross with him. One of them is Mary Magdalene. She was there when he died. She was there when they took his body down. She was there to help prepare his body for burial. And she was there first with some other women to prepare to finish the burial process. And Jesus decided this. Uh, he decided not to run away from darkness, but to run to her in her darkness, to free her from that, and, and, and to call her into a life with him. So much so that when he rose from the dead, the very first person that he uh, made a witness of this was Mary herself. I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing to think that the very first witness of the resurrection is one who's described initially as one with great darkness in her life, but that's how he does things. Every time I heard Gwen uh, share her, her story in the video from rehearsals to every service we've done so far, I, I got chills when she got to the end there. Gwen's a university professor at Cal State Fullerton. She teaches African-American studies, and she's honest about the darkness of depression that she wrestles with. And she's honest so that students that are with her will feel the, the welcome to come out of any darkness they feel and walk in light with her. But I love the last line that she shared. The darkness will not win. The darkness will not win. The darkness will not win. And if you feel like you're in a dark place, if you feel like you've done too much, you've gone too far, there's no way that God could ever take me in, uh, I think Mary would say to you, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness, formless, void. For some of us, as 2019 is coming to an end, formless might be a good word to describe where we're at. We feel formless, we feel stuck, we feel routine. It's not like that life's bad. 
It's just that life is just feels like uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, where we are, we're, we're just kind of going through the same rhythm and routine over and over again, and there just seems like something is off. That seems to be how, how Simon was when he met Jesus. See, when Simon met Jesus, he was a fisherman. He was working in his dad's business because that's what he could do. The rabbis had long passed over him. But Andrew, his brother, uh, came and met Jesus. And it says the first thing Andrew did was take Jesus to meet his brother, Simon. And when Jesus came to Simon, he said these words. He said, I'm going to call you Peter, which means the rock. Now, Simon knew he was anything but a rock. In fact, if, it, if there was a moment where it really made the most sense of the kind of mediocrity his life had, it was uh, the, one of the times that we see Jesus with him. Uh, Simon had come in from a night of fishing. He caught nothing. There's a crowd there. His failure's on display for everyone. He's washing his nets. He's mending his nets. Jesus is teaching. Then Jesus finishes his teaching. He turns to Simon right as he is finished washing and mending the nets and says, let's go take the boats back out. And you know Simon doesn't want to do it, but he feels enough persuasion to go. He says, if you want to, we'll do it. And so they go out in the water, and Simon knows exactly what they're up for. It's just going to be more time of awkward conversation and no fish. And Jesus says these words, Simon, throw your nets on the other side. And he throws his net on the other side, and there's a tug and a pull, and the boat begins to sink. And they have to call in another boat to come and help, and that boat comes, and that boat begins to feel the tug and the, and the pull, and it begins to sink. And there's this joy and this excitement. They can't believe all the fish they're catching and how much money they're going to make. And then it hits Simon. This doesn't happen. And he knows that he's with someone special and he falls on his knees and he says depart from me lord i'm a sinful man and jesus says from now on we're going to catch people you and i we're going to change the world And Simon, it says, he left his nets, he left his business, and he began to follow Jesus and go with him. And, and Jesus trained him, and he failed, and he trained him, and he failed, and he trained him. And they went through all kinds of things, but all the way, Jesus is patient with him, he's developing him, until it finally comes to what seems, I think, for Simon, the ultimate failure. He comes to this moment where, as he comes into this, uh, Jesus is arrested, he wants to be close to kind of see what's happening. He comes around this charcoal fire where uh, the uh, other people are warming themselves, and he's just standing there trying to listen to the the trial and what's going on. And as he's listening to what's going on, people that are sitting there begin to ask him, aren't you with him? Aren't you a Galilean? Aren't you someone? We saw you with him. And three times uh, he denies knowing Jesus. The third time a rooster crows, just as Jesus predicted it was going to happen. He remembers, he looks across the courtyard and his eyes, it says, fix in on Jesus. You ever failed your spouse? You ever failed your kids? You ever failed your best friend? You know what it feels like to fail someone who's really, really important to you? And the scriptures say simply this, that he wept bitterly. 
He blew it. He had his chance something to make something of himself, and he blew it. And Jesus is taken to the cross, and he dies, and, and, and he has to live with this failure. But three days later, the word comes that he's alive, that he wants to see the disciples, and especially Peter. And they say, go and meet in Galilee. They go to Galilee, and, and uh, they're waiting Simon doesn't have a cell phone, he doesn't have Angry Birds, he doesn't have Twitter to keep the time, so he says, let's go fishing. And so they take a boat out, they go in the, they, it, he's right back to his old life of mediocrity, he catches nothing, the day's about to end, the sun is coming up, a man from the shore asks him, have you caught anything? They say, no. And then he hears this phrase again, throw your nets on the other side. And they do. And there's a tug and a pull, and the boat begins to sink, and they remember. And it's as if Jesus is taking him back to that very first moment to say, Simon, you're Peter. You're the one I believe in. You're the one I trust, and you're the one I'm going to have lead my church. I haven't given up on you yet. And the boat comes in, and Jesus has prepared a a meal for them around a charcoal fire. He's going to take Peter right back to the the place of his failure. He's going to, like an expert surgeon, just cut right into that wound. And three times, just as he had denied him three times, he asks him, do you love me? And he takes him back through this. And then he says these words, follow me, follow me. And when he looks around at everyone else, he says, no, 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 Peter, don't worry about anyone else. You follow me. I wonder how many of us just feel that, that maybe the thing we need to hear is for Jesus to say, hey, you've been doing it your way. How about you try it my way? Throw your net on the other side of the boat. Jesus is the light of the world. And whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Some of you, uh, you, you know uh, what this feels like. You're starting to feel the excitement of what it is to walk in the light of Jesus. You're experiencing a fullness of life, an abundance of life that you didn't know was there before. I think that's how it was for Matthew because when, when Matthew met Jesus, he actually had it all. He had, he had friends. He had money. He threw the best parties But, but he got there at a cost. See, what, for Matthew, he, he took a job as a, as a tax collector for the Roman government, which meant in, in some ways he gave up his birthright for a paycheck. He, he gave up his, his, his homeland for a chance to, to make it big. And, and while he had everything on the outside, something seems to have been missing inside. Dark, formless, void. I think for Matthew, when we meet him, we see there's a void in his life. And some of us may feel like Matthew. We have everything on the outside. You have the money and the power and the stuff and the great job and all these things, but you still feel like something is missing on the inside. There's a void. 
So Jesus walks up to Matthew. And you know the people had to be so excited to see him come up to him. You know they had to be so thrilled because what was he going to do? Was he going to spit on him? Was he going to slap him? Was he going to tell one of his brilliant parables about a, a, a dirty tax collector and the kingdom of God? And so Jesus is coming up to the tax collector's booth and everyone's holding their breath to watch what happens. And Jesus says these words. Follow me. And while Matthew has it all, he also has a void in his heart. And it says that Matthew got up, left everything, and began to follow Jesus. And there was such a rush of, of his heart being filled that Matthew did the only thing he really knew how to do in those moments. He threw a party. And he made Jesus the, the center of the party and they were having a great time, so much so that as the crowds came around to kind of watch the party going on in the house, the religious leaders were watching and thinking, how dare Jesus be in with those people? How dare he be in with those sinners? And Jesus had to explain to him, don't you understand why I came? It's not healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. He says, this is why I've come. I was sitting in my office a couple days ago, and I was talking to my friend Ryan, and Ryan is, uh, uh, she's so great. Uh, Ryan is a super influential leader in our church, helping our, our young adults and high school students. And, and uh, when Ryan first came to our, our youth group, when I was the youth pastor here, the best way to describe, I think, was uh, there was just chaos in her life. It had been very easy, I think, for Ryan to run. But what Ryan experienced was Jesus running to her and asking her, follow me. Come with me, Ryan. Follow me out of darkness and into the light of life. And Ryan began to follow him, and, and, and her life began to change, so much so that even as she began to grow and walk with him, she continued, I think, to, as we were talking, she was saying, I still had ideas, I still had visions of, of how I was going to live my life and how I'd make a name for myself, all these different things. And then she said this, she said, I never thought I would be doing what I'm doing. And then she added this line, but I can't imagine doing anything else. Dark, formless, void. And Jesus stands here and says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but in the light of life. You know, darkness is one of those things that really the, the fear of darkness is, it's the unknown. And, and as you and I are facing the darkness of uh, what we may hear in a job situation or in a medical test or an unknown situation, that sense of unknown makes us uneasy. But Jesus walks into the darkness with us and he says, I am the light of the world. And the invitation is his words. He declares what's true, I am the light of the world, and his invitation is simply this, follow me. Follow me out of darkness and into life. And so as we close our service together tonight, we're going to uh, just remember that goodness. Uh, we're going to, uh, as we do each Christmas Eve, uh, we're going to light a candle together. 
And, and as we light this candle together, it is to celebrate that the light of the world has come for us. That we no longer have to walk in darkness. And if your life feels dark or formless or void, Jesus stands saying to you, come to me, come with me, because I can lead you out of darkness and into life. And so in just a moment, we'll, we'll uh, light the candle. Uh, you don't have a blowtorch, but I have a mini one. Uh, so here's the instructions. As we sing this last song, uh, the, I have some little helpers here who will be helping you. Uh, if your candle's lit, you hold it straight. If it's not lit, you get to be the one to tilt it in. Hold it gently as we sing through this last song. But let's sing through this last song as a celebration uh, that he has come into the world for us.